Hi, everybody. Will here with this week's interview chair. Today, we have Dan Sackos. We found him. All right. Sit back and relax. Enjoy an hour with Dan. Hi, everybody. Will here with this week's interview chair. And today, our special guest is Mr. Dan Sackos. How are you, Dan? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. It's good to see you. How are things on the West Coast? Uh, today is a little uh, nasty, but uh, in general, great. <laughs> nasty, nasty weather overcast. Or... Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've fought through a couple of hurricanes last couple of weeks up down here. Nothing touched me, but. The east coast of Canada was hit by Fiona, and the east coast of oh, really? America was hit by was I think it was Ian they called it. So, yeah. Huh. Yeah. so I was just I was just in Virginia at the Beagle National, and uh, no, I had Wayne Cavanaugh said to say hello. And, oh, nice. Yeah, and uh, we were we thought we'd get a little bit of the, the the hurricane there in Virginia, but it didn't hit us. We had a great week there. So I was once at a dog show in. Um, uh, an indoor arena and it began to rain outside and as it did it started running in the doors and the floor <laughs> of the arena had like four inches of water in it we were walking around in it was oh, uh, yeah it's pretty, pretty incredible neat. we've all been through those kind of things yeah. it's crazy that's what we do okay are you ready yeah all right man let's go tell me how you got started in the sport of dogs dan well, when I was a kid, my dad gave me $50 to buy a dog, and I bought a Scotty out of the newspaper. He came with his own exercise pen and his crate, a yeah, dog, a and 50 pounds of dog food for $50. That's that was a pretty deal. good deal. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> as time went by, my parents could see that I was uh, really into the dog, and I wanted to start going to show this dog at dog shows, and it was a pretty sad little Scotty, to be honest with you. <laughs> so they bought me another one out of California, and I showed it around Tucson. And uh, they got more and more interested, as did I. And uh, I finished that dog in, in 1959. What uh, were you then, Dan? Eight. Eight, wow. That's, that's a really <laughs> dog, wow. And... Uh, so, you know, my dad sent me to study with uh, some different people, Jeannie Cairns, who uh, understood uh, the physical nature of dogs and taught me about what makes things work and why. And, you know, um, I wasn't allowed to show a dog until I understood all the muscles of a dog. So it was uh, it was uh, pretty interesting. And then... Uh, over a period of time, my parents actually moved to Southern California, and then I began to uh, get in touch with a lot of the local Scotty people, you know, huge uh, uh, names in the breed. And and uh, as time went by, I got more and more involved in, in, in showing, and then I started working for couple of different handlers. I worked for uh, Johnny Coughlin, who taught me pretty much everything about that I know about grooming. Mm -hmm. 
And then I How old were you? I hate to keep interrupting. How old were you at this point when you were working for a handler? Oh, I was uh, nine. <laughs> I was old enough to drive by the time I went to work for for uh, John. Okay. Um, because I w- I had to finish school, jump in my car, and drive out to the other valley to to get to where he he lived uh, very near where Rick Kashudian lived in some valley. So, um, and he had uh, he had come over. He was he is a Welshman um, that grew up. Breeding wire fox terriers, he and and uh, there were four of those guys. One of them was uh, one of them was Peter, and uh, they all grew up together, competing against each other. And then Peter came over and showed him how easy it was, I guess. And so John followed. Johnny came over and worked for Rick for a while and to get his feet under him. Then he went out on his own, and I worked for John. And uh, I worked for him for, I don't know, five or six years. Oh, that's good. Uh, and then I went to work for Mike Shea for a while. And uh, the problem with, uh, with working for John, I learned a lot about grooming and hard work and all that sort of thing. But John was not... Uh, the social part of the the game. I never learned that from him. I never learned it from anybody. <laughs> so, um, so Mike was more into the social part of the game, but uh, still, he didn't. He wasn't. Uh, he wasn't teaching me that stuff. I, I didn't get a chance to see it. Um, and then. Uh, I moved back to Michigan for a while and didn't show dogs back there at all. So um, whereabouts in Michigan were you? In Flint. Flint, okay. And uh, so I I worked back there for quite a while, but I didn't show my dogs. I I took my dogs, but I didn't show them. And then, um, and terriers, like Mr. Ward there. I'm surprised you didn't try to show dogs there. Yeah, I was good friends with George, but uh, but I never showed dogs when I was back there. Maybe that's why I stayed friends with him. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, then I, I decided to come back to California, and when I came back to California, there were a bunch of the Scotty people who remembered me. That's why everybody calls me Danny in the dog show business because I started when I was so young. Yeah. And uh, so these uh, these different uh, Scotty folks brought me dogs and asked me to show them. And one of the first ones that brought me a dog, I, I was excited about. And I, I got the dog trimmed up and we went to the Scottish Terrier Roving National as an open dog, and I went best of breed at the national. Oh wow! Yeah, so that was pretty good, and uh, that kind of got me thinking. Well, you know, maybe I should just try to do this as a living because I hated working. <laughs> <laughs> um, I made a lot more money working, but I didn't like it. So I didn't like people telling me what to do. So yeah, that kind of follows all of us around in this world in our sport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, 
so that's what I did. I just uh, I started to to go to more and more dog shows and take on more and more dogs, and you know, then I got involved in Scotty's was an easy transition to Celiums, and then from Celiums, uh, uh, I got a, a client who brought me some Irish Terriers to show, and I did well with those, and. Then of course I did really good with uh, smooths. I had some big wins. You're, you're, you're just jumping over a bunch of dogs there, man. <laughs> I want to know. I want to know how you how you got them or how you wreck. Like you, how old were you at this point when you went on your own? Uh probably late twenties. Okay. So and, and at that time there. it was it was really stupid of me to go on my own. To be honest with you, yeah. There were so you, many. You worked great. for a lot of people for time anyway. You were for for uh, both the handlers and well over. Yeah, 70. yeah. I were and good people. You know, honest people. Um, they taught me a lot of really good life lessons and a lot about dogs. Um, but they weren't the most politically savvy people. And in in the dog game, you have to be politically savvy as well. So. I, I missed out on that, but I did okay. fine, <laughs> you know. And John taught me some things that uh, that uh, I was able to parlay later, uh, the, but that weren't necessarily dog um, showing dogs. They were in dogs, but not showing dogs. And I was able to really make a ton of friends over the years with with that ability so um yeah i know everybody <laughs> so know? What, was the, what was the first dog that you you showed on your own that was impactful that you started opening people's eyes with um well i guess the irish terrier rough and ready rock and roll now was uh, he before the ceilings I don't want to say he was before all of them, but yeah, I I think he was before all of them. I, mean, okay. uh, I, I don't I don't really remember the chronological order of them. I did a lot of winning in Celiums. Yeah, I mean I remember that, and I was down here, so yeah, I was uh, in Mexico at a dog show one time, standing in line for lunch, and these people who were in front of me were talking, and the one says to the other. Did you see the Sealy guy is here? <laughs> this cracked me up. Exactly. <laughs> the Sealy guy. Never thought of myself that way, but okay. <laughs> uh, look, I, I can in my head I can still see pictures of you showing Sealies. So yeah, I showed a lot of Sealies. I I was telling somebody. Oh, I was talking to Scott uh, the other day, and and he was telling me how hard Airedales were, and he didn't. He didn't ever want to do Airedales. And I said, man, I used to go to Great Western and carry seven celiums with me. That's as hard a dog to groom as oh, yeah. there is. You need a hammer and chisel to have. George told me they were the hardest terrier to trim. <laughs> it's a really bugger. But uh, they, they, they did really well for me. I had lots of lots of winning Irish or lots of winning uh, celiums. And then I... I had uh, Cagney, that's rough and ready rock and roll, and he uh, he still has the record for most specialty bests uh, of any Irish Terrier ever. 
uh, he was a terrific dog. I don't think I ever but, saw him in life. I saw lots of pictures. He sure looked a beauty. So, yeah, he was a really, really wonderful dog, and he sent me on my uh, my Irish Terrier journey. I've been breeding Irish Terriers ever since. So, been a long, long time. <laughs> <laughs> They're a beautiful breed to watch. Some of my best times watching at shows are Irish Terriers, just because how they act out there, how they how they grow uh, when they see each other. And, uh, I feel really bad because I, I think right now I probably have the best ones I've ever had in my life and they'll never go off my property. I'm just, they just are here for me to look at. Yeah. Well, you know? That's what it comes down to. So, yeah, that's, that's what I've decided. I enjoy the most is just, I have these different paddocks throughout my property and I have like two Irish in each paddock and I just go sit and watch my dogs run around. It's Really quite rewarding. You still enjoy trimming them? No. no. I don't trim them all. <laughs> all my dogs are pretty much all of them are clippered off. And, you know, of course, I believe Funny that you were so good at it. So I guess. Well, yeah, to a point, And then you just you can't do it anymore. You know, it's a, it's a lot of work, especially to keep them up. If I if I were to groom a dog um, by the end of the day, I would have a very sore shoulder and it would take me a couple of weeks to get over it you know and it's just not worth it's not worth that so so where did you go from uh Cagney um I think Bobby my Celium that did so much winning you know and uh well no before him there was the Happy Dale's Thomas G. Andre which Margaret Schools owned and he won a lot. He best in show at Santa Ana that one time. And in those days, I, I know that doesn't mean much to East Coast folks, but, you know, I was showing uh, against Clay and Burgett and Eddie Boys and Marippi. Marippi was just a fantastic oh, yeah. groomer. Um, and... Uh, and Woody and, you know, there was just, there was a ton. I mean, if you got to go fourth in the group, you were, you were happy. You know, you really did something. You, you beat some of them just going forth. There were so many of them, you know? Yeah. Well, it, it was tough sledding in those days, but it made you a better, made you a better groomer, better handler because you had to be. Oh, exactly. Competition so, breeds competition. I, so I hated it then, but I, I look back on it really fondly now, you know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, walk into an area where you're, you're, there's a lot of competition in your group. You, you have to up your game to compete. So You bet. Competition isn't a bad thing at all. It's well, a good thing. It's the best thing for business, too. I have always, I've always said that. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the, and the people today that think, though, it's too bad that, you know, little Bobby didn't win and we're giving him a participation trophy. No, little Bobby's going to be pissed and want to win next time, but he's going to work harder at it, and that's a good thing. No so. I agree with that aspect of it. I, I'm not so sure. I When they started giving out ribbons basically for just being there, so that's not giving them any motivation. You know? Right, exactly. I mean, when I was a kid... You got a trophy for every placement in every class. So for me, I always wanted the next bigger trophy. 
No, no question. And uh, that made me uh, better at it. So that's, I think that's, competition is just a fantastic thing. I wholly agree with that, Dan. So, so um, what was that? What was after those dogs? You, I still remember a smooth fox terrier that you, did, you made some impact with too. Yeah, I, I had a, a cup, I, I had a dog that I was. I can't even remember his name really, but I, I had been winning everything. He was the number one smooth in the country, and uh, and then my friend. I had some longtime friends in. Well, they were in Texas. Um, now they're in Arizona, but they they were in Texas by the name of Dossets. And uh, they called me up and said, hey, we've got this guy. We're going to sell him this puppy, and we want you to show the puppy. So I said, sure, no big deal. Well, the puppy came over, and it was a stunner. I mean, it was a stunner. And uh, along with him came this uh, kid to help me with the shows, you know, working for to work for me. Um, it's kind of part of the deal. I got the dog and the kid, and he was a Mexican kid by the name of uh, Gabriel Rangel. Oh, <laughs> I think I've heard of him. <laughs> yeah. So he worked for me for quite a while. And uh, I think he taught me as much as I taught him. He is such an artist, you know. Yeah. And uh, to this day, he's like the son. So. Well, he's amazing. Gabe's amazing. When I interviewed Gabe, it was just like we could have gone on for hours. He just kept going. Yeah. It, it seemed like it was hard to get him to sit down and do it. We kept our our schedules didn't work out. Oh yeah. my God! Once we sat down, he just kept going and going. It was a great interview. He's been so kind to me, you know, I, uh, I'll call him up or he calls me, but I'll call him up and, uh, he answers the phone and he says real quiet. Like he says, what, what, what do you need, Dan? And I said, well, I just wanted to chit chat. He said, well, let me call you back. Cause I'm in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> so he's been extremely kind and He's a, he's a terrific guy. Yeah, he sure is. He sure is. How so, long was Gabe with you? Uh, four or five years. Yeah. Oh, quite a while. He, you uh, stories about first, that. that was probably fun. When he first started, he was... Uh, he loaded... The first time he ever loaded my truck, he loaded it with all, all the crates facing one another. Well, that you just don't do that in a terrier truck. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, he had a, he didn't know how to set up the exercise pens or, and he had, he had been raised with uh, great Danes and he's used to scratching them on their back and slapping them on their back. Well, he, he'd slap my poor little, you know, smooth on the back and drop him to his knees, you know. <laughs> yeah, he was a big boy. No. Yeah, he's been, those mitts of his, they're huge. Yeah. So, um, Yeah. He was uh, a delight, but he's not the only one. I mean, I had I had Dino Moralia. I don't know if you know who he is, but he went back to Brazil, but he was the head of the Brazilian Kennel Club, and he's uh, an esteemed lawyer there, um, done some real, really great work in the civil rights 
uh, into things in, in Brazil. And he's just a terrific guy and worked really hard for me. How long was he with you? Uh, he was with me for about four years. And he still breeds Dobermans and wires and all kinds of stuff. He's he's into dogs. He's I don't know how big his place is, but he's got a most got a huge place. So yeah, and there and there were several others. Uh, Carlos Huerta, who's a dog trainer now, and uh, <coughs> excuse me, a few others. But, when you were you, we, we're going to go back a bit because we talked about a few of your mentors. I just wanted to, uh -huh. um, is there any more that, that made an impact on you that they may not well, even know they made an impact on you? Well, you know, I, I used to go to dog shows when I was 10 years old and watch Rick go best in show with chances are. Yeah. In those days, you stayed to, to best in show. Everybody did. I mean, there were as many people there for best in show as there was for the first class in the morning. That was a, you know, it was a, you took a picnic lunch and your doggy and you went and, you know, it was an all day affair and it was a fun affair. And I used to really admire Rick and Rick over the years had, was extremely kind to me. Very, very helpful, very wonderful. And anybody that ever says to you that Rick wasn't open to helping young people. I'm here to tell you, he really, really was. Yeah, that's all I've ever heard about him. He's out. I, I got to know him quite well because he came to shows down here, and he and he would judge a lot too. Um, but he was even as a judge, he was helpful. He, he'd pull me aside and and tell me I should try this and try that. Yeah, and then of course as a, a Scotty kid, I was always totally enamored with uh, Bob Bardos. You know, he, he uh, went best in show at the garden with Bingo. And I saw that and just, it was the, it just sets chills down my spine to see that dog and the way he showed and the way he looked. And, you know, I just loved that dog. And so then I loved Bob ever since, you know. Yeah, game to to as well. Yeah. Well, we, him and I, I've got tons of pictures. Him and I went there together the first time he ever met Bob and, and uh, he brought Sadie, and uh, Bob taught him little things that that when Bob was telling him, I'm thinking, oh, why didn't I tell him that? He, Bob taught me that. I should have taught him that too, you know. But he, um, Bob really helped him a lot, I think. Yeah. And uh, he was extremely nice to him. I went to his 100th birthday party just before he died. It was he was a wonderful guy. Well, what's the background on Bob? I, I don't know much of his background. Well, know? he worked for Carnation Farms. Um, they were they made dog food in those days. And he had, in that kennel, he had a hundred um, Scotties, a hundred Celians, <laughs> and 200 Golden Retrievers. So it was a huge operation. And I think... As they as all of us grew older and talked, I remember just what kind of reverence Rick had for Bob, and that just told me a lot about you know how good Bob was and how smart he was about dogs. If Rick thought you were one of the greats, you know you were one of the greats. 
Uh, Rick thought that way about uh, Bob. He thought that way about George Ward. You know, George was extremely kind to me, too. I think it's because Rick told him that I was a good kid. And George was just wonderful to me, too. So there are a lot of people that just help you along the way, you know. Yeah, we need them. We all need those people. Yeah. It's amazing who who impacts us that they don't even really know they impact us. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and they knew that, you know, I was in a really tough place in Southern California with the competition that it was, and I needed their help, and they helped me. Mm -hmm. I was very kind to them. Sure, sure. No aspirations with judging, Dan? Uh, physical limitations would keep me from doing that, but I've never really had much. I, 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 I thought about it for a little while, but uh, I, I, they asked me to do the the Welsh Terrier specialty at Montgomery a couple of years ago, and I turned them down. So, you know, I. It's it's not. I don't have the personality for it. Now, what if the Irish Terrier Club called, contacted you? Uh, well, I, I would make every effort to do that, but they won't. So, <laughs> <laughs> never say never. You never know. Yeah. No, I don't think those days are coming for me, and that's okay. You know, I enjoy doing what I do. Mm -hmm. I have grandkids now and that takes up most of my time babysitting and you know pretty yeah, much you, you send me some woodworking too and i do woodworking yeah i don't know I, I guess i sent you a couple pictures of the some of the things i do but i do some pretty pretty rewarding things that when you send them out to people and they you know ooh and ah over them that's that's really fun <laughs> yeah, for sure for sure so it's kind of like the same thing as grooming a dog. Um, you just have to be patient and to pay attention to details. And then the reward is sort of the same. You get lots of people telling you, you know, oh, my God, that's great. And that's, you know, I'm, a, I'm an attention hound. So <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are to a degree. Yeah, well, that's why we do, we do, what, do what we do, right? Yeah. Now, if a young person came to you today and said they wanted to be a, a professional dog handler, if you couldn't talk them out of it, well, what, what advice would you give them? Uh, work really hard. Um, be honest about how hard they're working. Uh, don't cheat. Don't take shortcuts. Uh, when you're sitting around chit-chatting and and sleeping, uh, the other guy is working, so you better work too. Yeah. Um, but it's um, it's a pre pretty. Don't expect to get rich doing it, but but it's a pre pretty rewarding thing. I mean, I I got to travel all over the world, you know, and have people in in other countries recognize who I am. That's you, you realize how special that really is. I mean. That's amazing. So yeah, I would tell a kid to 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 go for it. Although I did, I discouraged my own children from doing it. So no, they were were they interested? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> my boys aren't interested either. Adam, no. Adam's Adam is my adopted son. He's he's the one he's interested. So <laughs> yeah. Um 
I, I guess at this point, my son, uh, one of my sons is um, kind of interested in picking up my breeding program as, as, as I get to where I really can't even do that much anymore. Um, yeah, he's, he's, him and his wife are interested in continuing that, which is rewarding because I don't want that the old way, you know, I think I'm really on to something and I don't want it to just disappear. Right. That's a great, that's good news. So I'll help them as much as I possibly can get to understand and know what I look for for, and maybe they can look for and, you know, hopefully I can direct them down the right road. Yeah, I'm sure you can. Um, I know you, you say you didn't, you didn't go ahead and judge. You judged some. You judged some. You did sweepstakes and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've done some. I did, Jeez, uh, what is it? I did it. I did uh, Great Western, the group at Great Western, uh, the sweepstakes group there. Well, that'd be good. Um, and that was pretty interesting. <laughs> uh, I actually put up somebody I didn't really care for very much. So <laughs> the way it goes, right? Yeah, they had the best dog. What do you have to? I hated it, but I did it. So, um, yeah, I judged a few different things, this and that. Smooth Fox Terriers a bit. I love smooths, you know. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about your smooths. We touched on them, but we didn't well, talk about them. Yeah. Well, um, Two Fox White Hunter was, I guess, the dog we were getting into there. And yeah, that's the he dog. Did a, he about. did a lot of winning. First, he was owned by Sergio Balcazar, and Gabriel was my assistant while I showed him. And he caused in the beginning, he caused me a lot of pain because I handed him off to Gabriel, and I kept showing this dog that had been winning right along and Gabriel beat me, which um, he, he should have, but that doesn't really help with my client very much. When he did it a couple of times in a row at huge shows at, you know, back at the, at the, the specialties before the garden, as I recall, um, uh, my client got pretty upset about it. Didn't want me to let him show the dog anymore. But then I had another client who wanted their dog shown, you know, so I had to just let him go and do it. And when he beat me, I think it was the third time I got fired from the first one, oh, geez. which was okay. Cause then I could take over right. Right. and do the things I did. And he did really, he did great things. I mean, I, I won a group at, on the mission circuit. I'm sure you don't know what that I is. I do. But uh, it's a huge, in those days anyway, they were huge dog shows. I mean, they were 3,000 dogs. They were, you know, a few hundred terriers there. And every handler that was anybody uh, was there, had flown in from all around the country. And I won the group on Hunter with everybody there. And that was a, that was enormous. In fact, I won first, second, and third in that group. <laughs> so that was a really good day. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> no wonder it sticks out in my mind. Huh? <laughs> so, yeah. 
he did a, he did a lot of winning and I and made me you know made a lot of people recognize who I was that was very nice and then I did it for uh, my friends the Dossets. And that was good. Yeah. Now, we touched on judging, and I, I stopped because I want to talk about White Hunter. If someone came to you and they were they wanted to be a Irish Terrier judge, what advice would you give them? Well, um, Irish Terriers are not red, large red wire fox terriers. You know, there's a difference. Um, and if they don't look like an Irish, then they're not an Irish. Um, you can't have short backs in Irish Terriers. You just can't. You can't have, have those narrow, bumpy heads in Irish. You just can't. They're closely related to Kerry Blues, and they have more of the Kerry Blue head than the Wirefox Terrier head, and people don't get that. You know, they all want to see these wire fox terrier pusses on them, and that just, that's not who they are. And so there's a lot to um, to understand, but it's a fantastic breed. I mean, we have almost no health problems, you know. Um, I just breed two dogs. I don't, sometimes things will pop up, but I don't expect to ever have a health problem, ever, you know. Which is, yeah, so many breeds these days have all these different things that can go wrong. I didn't just have a have lot that. to do with, like, to, to know about Irish chairs until I started, you know, spending some time with RC and I got to meet Irish chairs and help him. And, and I really got to, I really got to enjoy watching the breed. I'd love to go and watch the breed, especially yeah. the, the Montgomery of the garden. Either way, I just love watching the breed competition. Yeah, love the way they carry themselves. Just... I've actually had judges tell me they're not supposed to be pretty, and <laughs> it just drives me. Nuts. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and there's so many of them have very low tail placements. I mean, they're like any other terrier. You want the tail up on top of the back, you know. Um, but shortness of loin, length of rib is is really a a big portion of what an Irish Terrier should be. Well, I think if they're short back, you wouldn't be able to call them racy at all. So No, you wouldn't. And if they have a 50-50 split between loin and rib, what you get is that bouncy top line. When you see them going around the ring and their top line's going like this, you know that uh, the rib to loin ratio is not right. Yeah, because it softens the structure. Well, we right. Can, right. Weakens the structure in any breed. Of course, know. yeah. So, and that slight rise that that is called for in the standard is slight, not huge, but it is sort of like you have in a in any breed that's meant to run. You know, like greyhounds have that rise. Yeah, um, they're meant to be able to stretch out and go. That's part of that. You know, and the strength that it takes to hold that up later like that. So, yeah, there's a lot of things about Irish Terriers. I could talk to you hours and hours about that, <laughs> and I'd like it. So, yeah, we're all here to learn. So, so again, so you would you would uh, 
give that advice for a judge. What else would you would you tell them? Was there something else you would tell them besides Irish chairs? Would you? Is there something you would try to instill upon them that they need to? Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. You know, I, I, I just think judges in general don't think about enough about what an influence they have on what they're doing to a breed. Right. And the responsibility they they have. Because in general, people breed to winners. So uh, they're going to breed, they're going to breed their dogs according to what that judge puts up. And that judge can help or hurt a breed um, pretty quickly, actually. And uh, I think it's really incumbent on the judge who's who's there uh, doing this thing to pay attention and do their best to get it right and uh, seek out somebody who really knows and doesn't have an axe to grind and see how much you can learn, you know? You owe it to what you're doing. I mean, you owe it to the people. Just mailing it in is not good enough. You can't do that. Scott Summers and I were just talking about this last week, about we, you need judges to, to really study what they're doing. Well, it's like I said, it's a huge responsibility they've been given, and you you expressed why. So yeah, and many of them, I think, see it as more or less just a club that they belong to. Uh, we're one, of, we're judges. We get to eat our lunch over here separately from everybody, <laughs> and we're big fancy people. But uh, that doesn't uh, that doesn't do the breed much good, and and the whole point is as breeders, as judges, as handlers, we're there to try to improve upon the breed. You know, I understand handlers because I, you know, I did it too. Um, we show the dog that's brought to us. We make the best out of it. That's what we have to do. We have to make a living. We got to put food on the table for our, our families. But <clears throat> I don't think it's it behooves a handler even uh, to promote a dog that he knows is is not uh, of quality. Right. You know, can you hide the faults? Sure, you can, or some of them anyway. But but you know so. You know, if you want to go out there and show them, show them as hard as you can, do that. But don't go around telling people it's the best one they've ever had, because that's what a lot of people do. So, and then that that creates problems, especially because next year this you come out with the same breed and that one is better. Well, what about last year? It's, it's, you know, we all know the story, right? I always try to stay general. Well, that's a different different style of dog. <laughs> there are two different dogs. I think everybody should have to go sit down and spend about an hour. With Pat Trotter. Oh, yeah. You know, she'd teach you. That's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> I have, I want, actually, I want to talk about this first. Um, Montgomery's this weekend. Does it, does it ever stir things inside you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd love to be there. Um, there's not, there's not uh, any dogs that I have any kind of interest in there this year. But there has been in the past, and and maybe there will be in the future. I don't know. But uh, but it's always fun to go sit at ringside and just just watch. Yeah, 
you know, and it's not just Irish. I mean, I would love to see smooths. I would love to see, I just love Kerry blues. Um, you know, uh, Celiums obviously is one of the ones I like to watch. Although that's more like the Marjorie Good national specialty. <laughs> <laughs> she just beats up on everybody. She sure does. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> All right, one, one last question, Dan. If you were to meet the 20-year-old Dan Sackles now, is there any advice you'd give him? Not much. I, I liked what I did. It was really hard. And I didn't make as much money as I would have liked to, but maybe put a little more attention to the political side of everything, you know, um, like me, like my product. And I didn't spend much time trying to make people like me. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it would be it would be smart for me to spend more time on the on the social side of it but uh i really loved what i did well and you could tell and not like i told you before like i'd be sitting standing in the circle of, of guys or dog people and your name would just pop up in a positive <laughs> way so <laughs> well that's that's very nice to hear it is. It, it, it happens more than once. That's why That's why I started nagging about an interview. Oh, well, I appreciate that. makes me feel special. <laughs> I was actually, when I interviewed Richard Powell, uh, he brought your name up constantly. So. Oh, well, I love Richard. Yeah, he's a great guy. We, have a, we had a good conversation. So what's next? What are you going to do now? I don't know. <laughs> We've uh, sold our property to my son, and we're building a small uh, home for my wife and myself. We don't need this enormous house we have now. You're building on the property? We're building on our property, yeah. So That's good. Uh, my son has to put up with me for a few more years. <laughs> I'm sure he's be fine with it. <laughs> he's pretty cool. Yeah. Any woodworking on the go right now? Oh, yeah. I'm making a, a sign right now for the company that's uh, doing my house. I'm building them a sign for their office, six foot long and and uh, 30 inches tall with their logo and their name in it in uh, engraved in it. So that, and then I've got uh, an order for some trophies. Uh, and uh Let's see, what else? I, I've got about 15 things. I've never been busier in my life than I am now that I'm retired, you know? That's what I say. What are you doing now? You know, I don't know. Well, you have a lot to do. <laughs> I do have a lot to do. A lot to do. Yeah, I think yeah, I'm, I'm in the midst of finishing up the... Uh, I always make a, a mock up of what I'm going to do uh, in inexpensive material and show it to the client and then I'll bring it back and make it on the expensive stuff. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm making this sign in curly maple. I don't know if you know what that is or not, but it is, it's a very light colored wood with real pretty natural designs in it. And it's very expensive. And so I don't want to, you know, do the sign without 
and then have them tell me, oh, we don't like this at all. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. That wouldn't be so, fun. <laughs> I just, I, yeah, I'm, I'm busy all the time. I'm making furniture for my children. Uh, I want to leave them something. You know, I made a jewelry box for my granddaughter. Uh, that's pretty, I don't know if I sent you a picture of that, but it's pretty beautiful. Yeah. Got roses carved in it and really nice. Still artistic. Has never yeah. stopped. Yeah, so. yeah kind of kind of like the dogs, you know. You, yeah, for sure. So I made toy box. I, did I send you a picture of the toy box? I think you sent me a picture of the toy box, yeah. All those little figurines on that toy box are raised so that the kids can actually feel them and play with them. And then they have ABCs on the one end and one through a hundred on the other end. Wow. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's really, I'm very proud of those. Those How do you have time to talk to me? <laughs> I, I made two of those, one for each one of my grandsons. So That's amazing, man. Good for you. So it's, it's really fun. Yeah. I'm really fun. I have a, I have a, I have a, a really fun life. I've always had a fun life, you know? I've got to travel, and I mean, I met all kinds of really interesting people, famous people, and not famous people, and good dog people, and just, I had a, just a whiz-bang of a life. Well, we all got to watch old shit, or a lot of it anyway, so... <laughs> I'm not done yet. You're not done yet, exactly. You're still working. Well, I appreciate your time, Dan. And uh, I'll let you get back to your woodworking, you. your dogs, and everything else uh, you do. And I appreciate you giving up time to come and talk to me. So, well, I really appreciate you. Well, thanks. Appreciate it. And congratulations uh, on the wonderful career you had, too. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right. Well, hopefully we'll we'll cross paths somewhere at some show. Hey, if you make it out this way, you let me know. I'll go wherever you are. Palm Springs. I'm coming to Palm Springs. Oh no, that's 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 <laughs> about uh, that's about 14 hour drive from. I'm here. doing Palm Springs and then Portland. So. Oh, you're going to Portland? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm from the show site uh, at Portland. I'm about uh, 30 minutes away. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my, my friend John Routen works that does is a member of that club, I believe. So, oh, oh, good, that'd be great. Yeah. All right, all right. Well, you take care, and and again, thanks again. I really appreciate your time. All right, thank you. All right, Dan. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Dan. That was great. It was great to catch up with you. Remember, if you like what you're seeing here, press the like, share, and subscribe button. If you want to find out what's happening with me, go to willalexander.net. If you want to get a hold of me, go to dogshowtips at gmail.com. And don't forget about the Dog Show Drive, our podcast, Wayne Kavanaugh and myself, every Thursday. Take care, guys.